Huge show. We're going to break down new information, the federal grand jury investigating Hunter Biden. We're going to talk about BlackRock uh, and their comments about the entitled generation. We're going to get into the fentanyl deaths now striking the number one cause of death in adults from 18 to 24. And we're going to talk about Title 42. But before we do, I want to give you some TPUSA announcements. If you haven't checked it out yet, go to tpusa.com, watch the latest debate night. It's Charlie Kirk, Buck Angel on porn culture and the trans agenda. Next, the Young Women's Leadership Summit. It is coming up so fast, June 2nd to 4th, Dallas, Texas. Make sure you get your bookings now, you get your reservations now. Use promo code POSO, by the way, for a little bit off your ticket. tpusa.com slash YWLS. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today's top stories, federal grand jury is investigating Hunter Biden. His ties to Burisma, his ties to China and the CCP. We're going to break it all down next. The president of BlackRock investment firm warns that an entitled generation needs to brace for shock of shortages and higher failures. Fentanyl poisoning is now number one cause of death in adults 18 to 45 in the United States. And finally, the pandemic era policy Title 42 is allowing migrants to be turned away at the U.S.-Mexico border. It's going to end May 23rd. All this and more head Human Events Daily. I get calls from my father to tell me that the New York Times is calling, but my old partner, Eric, who literally has done me harm for I don't know how long, is the one taking the calls because my father will not stop sending the calls to Eric. I have another New York Times reporter calling about my representation of the, literally, Dr. Patrico, the spy chief of China, who started the company that my partner, who was worth $323 billion found it and is now missing. The richest man in the world is missing, who was my partner. He was missing since I last saw him in his $58 million apartment and signed a $4 billion deal to build the largest LNG port in the world. Well, that right there, and I mentioned about this yesterday, that's Hunter Biden. And what he's doing is confessing. That's what we call a confession tape. Um, he thinks he's venting, but you know, as any military interrogator will tell you, um, anything you can do to get your subject to open up and start spilling the beans, right? You've got to use one of those emotional approaches. And in this case, uh, pride and ego are obviously direct triggers for Hunter Biden. And so, what he's talking about there are these dirty dealings that he's been doing, that have been going on for years. They're obviously clearly tied to the family. And I think it's ridiculous that when you hear the Biden administration talk about this, they say, oh, it has nothing to do with the president. It has no clue. Don't worry. No. Understand how this worked. Hunter Biden was the bag man. He was the one who took the money in for the family. The money came from various places. It may have come from China, the CCP, it may have come from Ukraine, Burisma. It came from the Moscow mayor's wife, Elena Batarina, um, $3 million, which later turned into another investment. So understand, his up Kazakhstan, there's so many more we could get into. But the point is, 
he was the bag man. It was family money. It was understood that way. And there's other videos where he's complaining about how he's the only one in the family that makes all the money and keeps the family going. Well, all of this, it turns out, is actually under federal investigation in Delaware. And the heat is turning up because now that grand jury that's been seated in Delaware with the federal prosecutors there is bringing, been, uh, bringing in interviewees, associates of Hunter Biden, people who have come in to talk about his business dealings, and even talking about his, drug, his illegal drug use, which, of course, I've seen the laptop unfortunately, and you can see his illegal drug use and illegal drug use between himself, female partners, even with children in the very same house. And they talk about the children being in the house in these videos. That, of course, would be a, uh, a state-level crime. So when it comes to what they're looking at, remember, just after the election, Hunter Biden put out this statement that said, oh, there's a tax investigation going on. He tried to say it was just about taxes. Well, it turns out it's not just about taxes. They're looking into whether or not he violated the FARA law. And what's FARA? Well, we remember that from the Trump era, right? The FARA law was, are you operating at the behest of a foreign power without being registered? And he clearly was in terms of the CCP-owned companies that he was involving in. And he certainly was in terms of this Burisma company, which is directly controlled by elements of the Ukrainian government, the state-owned enterprise. And so when you're looking at this whole situation, this isn't just about taxes, right? This is about the whole thing. And it's also about, by the way, the way that he moved his money around, the way that he got paid, right? That was a huge part. I remember I covered every single day of the Paul Manafort trial uh, back when it was held over in Virginia. And they dug through how the payments were coming. To remember, Manafort was also working for the Ukrainians. He was work, but he was being paid by Ukrainian oligarchs through accounts in Cyprus, and then he wasn't paying his taxes on them. Same deal with Hunter Biden. He was obfuscating the way the money was coming in. He wasn't paying taxes. He was work, and here's the key difference. Here's the absolute key difference. Hunter Biden was lobbying the federal government on behalf of Burisma, so on behalf of Ukraine, while his father is the vice president of the United States, who we also know had a direct role in choosing and firing people who are at the highest levels of the Ukrainian government. So we understand the corruption. We see the corruption. Let's wait and see if anything actually happens. Because we, as, as we know, if your name is a Biden or a Clinton, you seem to always escape justice. Well, the president came out recently and told us that we were going to face food shortages. And when the president tells you that you're going to face that, it is time to act. Go immediately now to this website, preparewithposo.com, for My Patriot Supply. That is where you'll be able to get the long-term emergency food storage kits that will give you food security when the shortages hit. As you may know, My Patriot Supply is the nation's largest preparedness company, and they have over 50,000 four-star and five-star rated reviews from happy customers who love their food. Go to preparewithposo.com right now and grab your emergency food kit for each person in your family. Each kit provides breakfast, lunch, dinners, drinks, snacks, totaling over 2,000 calories a day for optimum energy during stressful times. You can get one for your car, by the way. Just throw it in your trunk. You know you have it. Should emergency strike. Again, go to preparewithposo.com and get what you need. When situations getting worse around the world, you need to grab this emergency food as a backup for your family's survival. That's preparewithposo.com. Go today. Take action.
Well, behaviors are going to have to change, and this is one thing we're, going to, we're asking companies. Uh, you have to force behaviors, and at BlackRock, we are forcing behaviors. Well, that was the CEO of BlackRock, Larry Fink, telling us how he believes his firm is job. The role of his firm isn't to make money for his investors or to uh, you know manage wealth properly. No, no, no. His job is to force behavior, right? And now we've got the president, the co-founder of BlackRock, coming out also saying, Rob Capito, saying, an entitled generation needs to brace for the shock of shortages and higher inflation. As experts warn, Americans will pay an extra $433 a month for basic goods this year. So understand what we're getting into. This is the highest middle-class tax rate, tax raise, that this country has seen in 40 years. That's what this inflation is. And keep in mind, the inflation is on you. The inflation is on your family. The inflation is on working families. It's not on Larry Larry Fink, right? It's not on him. It's not on BlackRock. It's not on these guys. No, 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 no. Here's the way the money printer works. I said it before. I'm going to say it again. The people who benefit the most are the people closest to the king at the expense of those who are furthest away from the throne. What does that mean? They print the money. It used to be, right, go back to France, medieval France. This is where this came up. Now, in medieval France, when they would discover a new gold mine, it wasn't the people who lived around the gold mine that benefited. No, no, no. What would happen was the people closest to the king would get access to the new gold first. Then they would use that to go out and make purchases, expensive purchases around the world, around the country. And then that would drive prices up for everybody else, for the people furthest away. But it didn't matter to the people who got the gold first because they were the ones that were driving the inflation, right? That's how inflation works. So with money printing, it's the exact same thing. We're hearing stories now, by the way, that some of the moves that Russia is making uh, to raise the price of the ruble to stabilize it, it's almost back. The ruble is almost now back to pre-war levels. What does that mean? Well, number one, that means the sanctions are a complete failure. But also, number two, what are they doing with the ruble? Well, they've said they want oil payments to Western Europe to be done in rubles. And they also said that they're looking at pegging the ruble to gold. That means moving away from debt-based currency and moving back, essentially, to a gold standard, or at least some kind of mix of a gold and oil standard there. We don't do that in the United States. We do stuff like this. We print money like crazy. We give it to people like BlackRock. The Fed gives it to people like BlackRock. Of course, Ron Paul talked about this for years and years and years. Heed my warning, right? But we didn't. And now when BlackRock turns around and says, oh, you have to deal with inflation, he says it's your fault. He says you just need to suck it up. You just are too entitled. You're selfish. You're spoiled. I'm sorry. Look, who are you talking about that's selfish and spoiled? The people who can't afford to buy a home? The people who can't get jobs? The people who went through the financial crisis of 2007, 2008, have no wealth formation? They're putting off family formation? They're not able to get access to homes. That's not their fault. That's the fault of Larry Fink's generation. That's the fault of Joe Biden's generation. That's the fault of the generation before. And I'm just saying it. I'm just saying it. The decisions, not everybody in the generation. Come on, I'm not like that. But I'm saying the decisions made by the decision makers 
have created economic consequences downstream of the people who are benefiting on this. The exact same way that in medieval France, it's called the Cotillion Effect, you can look this up, that the people closest to the king were the people who benefited most from the new gold. That's what we're seeing here. And that you hear this attitude of, it's not our fault, it's your fault. Well, of course, you're still gonna be rich. Capito, by the way, an estimated net worth of $400 million and made $24.6 million in total compensation in 2020. What did he say? I would put on your seatbelts because this is something we haven't seen, said Capito, who blamed a shortage of workers, energy, and agricultural supplies for soaring scarcity inflation. Now, he's certainly right in terms of the supply side on energy, right? So I'm with him on that, obviously. But the shortage of workers is because people are checking out of this crooked system. They're saying they don't want a part in this. They can see that it's a scam. They know that they're being scammed and they know that they're being screwed and they're done with it. They want out. This is why, you know, the whole meme stock and the apes and the ape army, you know, AMC and GameStop and all the rest. That's why that exists. That's why all of that exists, because they're sick and tired of the hedgies. They're sick and tired of the people who are milking the system and milking future generations by putting America more and more into debt, because that's what that is, by the way. Inflation is a tax. It's an invisible tax. You don't even know because the dollar amount, you know, your bank account stays the same, but the ability of you to purchase more with that money changes. It's one of the most insidious taxes, and it's incredibly duplicitous. So shame on you, BlackRock, for blaming people for your own actions. So I was visiting with some friends last week, and we were talking about this new issue, the parallel economy. We were talking about canceling and the way companies are out there talking about uh, freezing the people's bank accounts, you know, over political views, supply chain issues, talking about people who are using their money to fund this woke nonsense that people don't like. Obviously, we've been talking about in terms of Disney lately, and if you've been following Chris Rufo and everything he's saying. But then we were saying, is there a way for us to get a list of companies in the country or in the, our local areas that actually do support the things that we like and do support the things that we want. Well, that's when we found out with Public Square. And that's why I'm also proud to partner with Public Square, the largest directory of freedom-loving businesses our nation has ever seen. What it is, it's an app. You can simply go to the Google Play Store, the App Store. You download it. You have a free account. And whether you want to support you know, a restaurant that only buys from local farms or a coffee shop that took a stand against COVID mandates or a bank that wouldn't cancel you, it's so easy to use this thing. It's a guide. It's a directory. You download it today. Public Square. So you just go in your app store, you download it, Public Square. It is the easiest and best app to get and understand that this needs to be a new parallel economy. Stop giving money to people who hate you. Go and download Public Square. Judge Jackson, before you granted this fentanyl kingpin's motion to reduce his sentence, did you contact any of the victims from his case? Senator, thank you for allowing me to address Mr. Young's situation. I, I asked a simple question. Did you contact the victims in his case or not? Senator, Mr. Young was not released. His sentence was reduced, and I did not contact the victims in and his case because there another... were no victims. He committed uh, a crime, a drug crime. There were no identifiable victims in his case. 
Drug crime is not a victimless crime. 100,000 Americans were killed by overdoses. Understood. So that's Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas grilling Ketanji Brown-Jackson, the nominee for Supreme Court. She'll probably be confirmed here in a couple of weeks or so uh, to take her role in the Supreme Court. But he's grilling her not on the question of child pornography, and we've talked about all of those cases in great detail, but he's talking to her about fentanyl. And this is actually something where, and it, it, it amazes me, right? You know, we live in a society where we're so heavily propagandized. We get as much propaganda in the United States as North Korea does today, right? Top-down, intelligence agency-driven, government-driven propaganda. What do I mean by that, right? Um, you know, stand with Ukraine billboards everywhere. Get vaccinated everywhere. So you're, get, you're constantly getting this propaganda. Yet at the same time, there's things going on in our own country that we're not talking about because they don't fit one of these various narratives. And one of those is the fact that here in the United States, and Cotton just mentioned it, we actually just hit an all-time high, higher than ever, of overdose deaths in the United States. All time. We're also seeing massive rises in violent crime, insane amounts of violent crime in our city, senseless violence, people getting killed for literally no reason, right? People taking the streets and just shooting each other up. I went to school in North Philadelphia. I would not set foot in North Philadelphia on my life, and you better believe I'm not taking my family up there. And one of the reasons, specifically on that case of overdoses, is because of fentanyl, and because fentanyl is so incredibly potent and so incredibly lethal. It's essentially, it's almost like a poison. It really is almost like a poison. What is, what's happening though, is because you're getting so many of these street drugs and street versions of synthetic drugs, um, you know, street versions of oxycodone or oxycotton or something, and they'll call it the opioid crisis, opioid crisis, opioid crisis, but they're not talking about fentanyl. They're not talking about the idea that this stuff is being churned out in Chinese bio labs. Um, can't talk about the Ukrainian bio labs, but maybe we could talk about the Chinese bio labs, the drug labs, where they're putting together this fentanyl. Then it's being shipped to the cartels because, of course, you know, they're making so much more money off of this because it's just profit for them. And then it comes straight to the United States. This chain has been going on for years now, and it's had, it has hit a peak. And yet when we have we're, – we're in an election year right now. Right now is an election year. We don't talk about it. There's a place in Philadelphia near where my brother used to live. It's called Kensington. And in that area of Kensington, um, that's where the overpass is for the L. So the overhead L is there and Market Frankfurt line. And underneath that overpass, and you see videos of this going viral on social media of what looks like some kind of blown out zombie apocalypse kind of scene. And the locals call it Kensington Beach. What is, why do they call it Kensington Beach when it's not near the beach? Well, because the junkies will be in there, will be using so many drugs, it's essentially an open-air drug market, and then they'll be laid out on the ground, whether they're overdosing or just, just high on fentanyl, and it looks like you're at the beach. That's how crazy, there's, there's you know Instagram accounts where you can go look this stuff up. Absolute levels of depravity that are going on in our society, these are American citizens, by the way. So this isn't a foreign country, it's not 5,000 miles away. Right? It's right here, it's right here at home but we don't talk about it. Doesn't lead the nightly news, right? 100,000 deaths, American civilians killed in one year over this from poison. You know, they buy it on social media, they buy it on Snapchat, they think they're getting some, you know, designer drugs, some synthetic, and they don't know that it's being cut with fentanyl. 
and that stuff will kill you. Killed Michael K. Williams. Are we actually going to do something serious in this country about this? We're going to be stuck following these propaganda campaigns forever. Is the Biden administration prepared to deal with the aftermath of ending Title 42 and the expected influx of migrants? So first, what I would say is that uh, this is a decision that we have long deferred to CDC. Title 42 is a public health directive. It is not an immigration or migration enforcement measure. So the decision on when to lift Title 42, we defer to the CDC. Um, that being said, of course, we are planning for uh, multiple contingencies, and we have every expectation that when the CDC ultimately decides it's appropriate to lift Title 42, there will be an influx of people to the border. And so we are doing a lot of work to plan for that contingency. Well, there you have the Biden administration, uh, their new spokeswoman talking about the end of Title 42 protections. You know, it's kind of interesting that Press Secretary Jen Psaki has been yeah, noticeably absent for the last couple of days. You know, um, one thing that I am hearing from the White House is that she is potentially looking to jump ship to a mainstream media network. And she hasn't um, decided which one she wants to go to yet, but is in talks and has had co contact with various networks talking about coming on either as an analyst or commentator or maybe even eventually hosting her own show. So we'll see if that happens. But congratulations to Jen Psaki if she does end up making that move. However, I don't know if these new these new spokespeople are doing the work, as they say, as Ksaji Brown-Jackson likes to say. They're not doing the work because they say, oh, well, we might just get an influx once Title 42. So what is Title 42? Right? We've heard about this a lot. And it's kind of a misnomer because it sounds like it's um, a legal protection, but it's not a legal protection like Title IX or something. It's a public health order. So it's a public health order that was signed and put in place essentially uh, a similar to an executive order from March of 2020 by the Trump administration. What it did was it allowed for the rapid expulsion of migrants from the United States when they were encountered at the border coming across illegally by Customs and Border Patrol, CBP, in order to protect the United States during the pandemic. Now, keep in mind that all the other pandemic restrictions are still in place from the Biden administration. They haven't dropped any of those. So their st official stated purpose is that we are still, their position is that we are still in a pandemic. So if we're still in a pandemic, then why are you dropping a public health order? But on the flip side of that, let's look at the actual numbers. We're, at a, we're right now on pace to hit 150,000, they counted as migrant encounters by the CBP per month. 150,000 people coming across the southern border per month. That's not sustainable. That's not sustainable for any country, in, anywhere in the world, right? Every country in the world would not be able to have 150,000 per month coming across. Work that out per year, and the number's going up. They're on pace right now with Title 42 in place to hit 200 thousand according to the latest cbp estimates per month coming across the board that's that's double the amount that i just said were killed because of overdose every year you can't do that as a country you can't just allow that many people in all the time right it just doesn't work it doesn't work and now if they're going to take title 42 off that means that they don't even have the ability for expulsion and keep in mind their position legally is that we're still in a pandemic so my question is when you got gas prices going and exploding the way they are, when you got crime going up, overdoses going up, why does it seem like they don't actually care 
about securing the people of the United States, the people of this country, doing the right thing for them, and they care so much about everyone else. Well, that's all the time we have here, Human Events Daily. Today, remember our promise, our oath, our solemn vow to you. Be good, be brief, be gone. And remember, your homework for us. Share this out with one, just one of your normie friends, and then leave us your five-star review, Apple, Spotify, wherever you go. It actually really helps us out. What did we talk about today? The federal grand jury, new details on this investigation into the Hunter Biden payments from overseas. Next, the president of BlackRock warning that the entitled generation needs to brace for shortages and in inflation. Yeah, because who's buying up all the houses? That's right, BlackRock is. Fentanyl poisoning, now the number one cause of death in adults between 18 and 42. I, don't, I guess the mainstream media doesn't really care about that one. And finally, Title 42 border protections are ending on May 23rd. But before we go, it's time for today's history break. Today, in 1968, President Lyndon Baines Johnson, LBJ, gave a speech about the Vietnam War, incredibly unpopular war that the U.S. chose to be in, announcing that he would not run for re-election. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.